This podcast is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, award-winning wealth managers who go above and beyond to support and guide you. Visit candowealth.com to start building your wealth with confidence. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Katie Pauls and I'm joined by Isabel Hardman and Times Radio's chief political commentator, Lucy Fisher. So, leaving the news today is an apology from the Conservative MP Crispin Blunt. Isabel, can you just bring us up to date on what he is apologising for? So, this follows the conviction of Imran Ahmad Khan, who until recently was a Conservative MP. He's been suspended and now expelled from the party. And he was convicted yesterday of sexual assault against a 15-year-old boy in 2008 and we sentenced at a later date so we don't know about the consequences of it in terms of whether he'll automatically lose his seat or there'll be a by-election and all that sort of thing but what then happened was Crispin Blunt former justice minister uh, current chair of a cross-party committee of, of MPs on LGBT rights across the world he posted a statement criticising the verdict, saying he was appalled and distraught at it. It was an international scandal with dreadful wider implications for millions of LGBT plus Muslims around the world and that the case have relied on lazy tropes about LGBT plus people that we might have thought we had put behind us decades ago. I hope for the return of Imran Ahmad Khan to the public service that has exemplified his life to date. At that point, all hell broke loose because it was not only a, a an MP questioning the verdict of a court, it was a former justice minister questioning the verdict of a court. Even though Blunt said he'd sat in for some of the trial, he, he obviously wasn't in for the whole of the trial. And in and of itself, uh, it was, it's quite a troubling thing for, for an MP to do, although it's it's not the first time in recent years that Tories have um, have complained about verdicts by juries. But, um, but we'll leave it that there. But... It, Crispin Blunt has now had to apologise for this statement because a lot of his fellow Conservative MPs were very upset by it. Senior Tories uh, within the party basically forced him to apologise and he has also stepped down as chair of that all-party parliamentary group for global LGBT plus rights. And it's really brought an edge to a particularly gruesome case that, that didn't need to be there. Lucy, it's been interesting from Kristen Blunt last night saying this and quite a lot of time until he deleted it. It's, it's quite clear that figures in the Tory party immediately saw this to be a, a problem. What do you think the hold-up's been? Well, I think there's clearly been a level of resistance, hasn't there, Katie? And that's why, for me, it's one of many troubling things about this story today is the sincerity of his apology. As you say, he made this rather emotional outburst last night. That tweet remained online for a good 12 hours or so. It was then deleted. And then there was another hiatus before the full retraction and apology came. In that interim, party sources made very clear to the media that they found his statement wholly unacceptable and that they expected uh, a retraction very soon. So there was no secret made of the fact that clearly the party's uh, central authorities were putting a lot of pressure on Crispin Blunt to retract that. And I think that the condemnation has been pretty universal. I, I haven't spoken to anyone this morning who has stuck up for him in any sense of the word 
people in the Conservative Party and certainly the opposition have roundly found his statement pretty disgraceful. And I think, especially when you consider the fact that he is a previous justice minister, for him to undermine criminal justice system in the way, the fact that a jury had found beyond reasonable doubt that Imran Ahmed Khan was guilty of the offences with which he was charged, I think is very troubling. And the final thing I'll say is that while I think it's perhaps to be applauded that the Conservative Party has acted quickly today to permanently expel him, Imran Khan, in in light of uh, his conviction, not pending appeal, that we have to look at what happened when the allegation was first made by the victim. The victim of Imran Ahmed Khan said that in 2019, in days before the general election, he rang the Conservative Party campaign headquarters and reported um, his claim against Imran Ahmed Khan, of course, then just a candidate, and says that he wasn't taken seriously. So I think there are questions for the party about how it handles complaints like this um, when it comes in. And my final point to to make on this story, I think, is it does seem increasingly likely there's now going to be a by-election in Wakefield, the West Yorkshire seat that Imran Ahmed Khan won in 2019. That was the first time it had been won by a Tory candidate since 1931. So it could shape up to be a pretty politically interesting contest, perhaps something of a referendum on how Boris Johnson is doing in the Red Wall and whether he can kind of maintain support in these northern and midland seats that he won at the last election. Isabel, this comes after a situation with David Warburton, the Tory MP who was caught in what some say is a sting, but ultimately no one disputes the fact he was taking cocaine and there are claims he was inappropriate to younger female women. Is the Tory party getting a reputation for sleaze again? I think that one of the things we have learnt from the past few weeks is that, unfortunately, Conservative MPs and MPs, I think, more widely will still look after their own um, in these dreadful cases and they will bandy together in a way that is inappropriate. I'm thinking particularly actually of the Charlie Elphick case where you had Conservative MPs writing character references in his trial for sexual assault, which he was found guilty. And the way in which there's been this culture of, I think, automatic, not so much disbelief as just dismissal of alleged victims who've made allegations towards all sorts of different MPs, um, some of which have become public, some MPs have been named, some MPs haven't. But what is almost universally in common in all these cases is that Conservative MPs don't seem to stop and think maybe the person making these allegations might be telling the truth. And and that's not me saying that, you know, the the sort of the mantra of of, of believe everyone automatically, that that's... You know, we have a, a system of justice in this country and it's important for allegations to be proven, as they have been in the case of Imran Ahmad Khan, which is why Crispin Blunt's reaction was so troubling. But I, I don't think that the balance is at all in the right place at the moment, given that we are still seeing allegations, not just of historic offences, as is, is the case with the Imran Ahmad Khan case, but also of current, very recent alleged offences, I think we should be very worried about the the culture within Parliament. Speaking of undermining the rule of law, police have issued at least 30 more fines for breaches of lockdown regulation at gatherings in Whitehall and Downing Street. Um, This is on top of 20 fines set out last month, so we're currently at 50. Lucy, do we have any idea yet of 
Hootie's a four. And do, do you think the the sheer number of fines is going to start I to do, make this issue in a word, live again? Because I think fifty just shows that this was a culture of ignoring the rules, not just the 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 spirit, but the not just the letter, but the spirit of the rules across Downing Street. I think if it had stayed at 20 even that was pushing it but you could potentially see spin doctors saying well it was you know one or two events it was a few bad apples or a few people got carried away but I think 50 is a really high number and this isn't the end of it yet you know the Metropolitan Police has stressed today that it's trying to um, press on with its investigation with alacrity but we may see more and I do think that this just speaks to a lack of respect at the heart of government for laws that at the time many people criticised as being far too draconian, um, far too difficult to follow. And it was proven that those making the laws themselves found them difficult to obey. Isabel, do you think MPs still care about Partygate? It, it definitely feels as though it's dropped down the news agenda. I think the the visit by Boris Johnson to Ukraine at the weekend saw lots of MPs praising him heavily. I do get the sense that people think Downing Street is running more effectively at the moment. But does this still have the potential to uh, cause some severe problems? Yes, it does. And I think this is a another staging post on the, on the way to the period that's going to be definitely very very difficult for the prime minister so already to to have 50 fines applied to um, people within a couple of buildings in just one street is is extraordinary now it may well be that that some of those fines have gone to the same individuals so that someone has been fined a number of times because they were sort of serially going to parties but we don't know and as happened with the the first round um, of fines, you know, only certain identities end up coming out for various different reasons. But uh, as we've said before in this podcast, the police investigation has not concluded, which means that we have not yet got the Sue Gray report. And until the Sue Gray report is out, it is impossible to say that Boris Johnson is safe. It depends when it lands, for one thing. It depends what it says, more importantly. And I think the political weather could change very, very quickly once that appears. Now, it may well be that that involves the sunlit uplands that Boris Johnson has been sort of longing for where he can forget about Partygate. Or it might be that the findings of the Sue Gray report are so damning that it's very difficult for him to regain his authority. But I think it's, again, far too early to say it's also worth pointing out that Parliament's in recess at the moment, so we don't have the the usual sort of urgent questions and people sounding off at Prime Minister's questions. We'll get all that next week. Thank you, Isabel. Thank you, Lucy. And thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.